Welcome to the Tin Lounge. You've stumbled on one of our short episodes called The Mini Bar, where we discuss a current relevant topic pertaining to the travel industry. I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fam With Intention. And I'm Corrine, creator of Travel Biz Boss and co-owner of Journey's Travel Company. We won't let you leave without some headlines, so stay with us until the end for excess baggage. It's Thanksgiving week. Ooh, I cannot wait. I don't know about you, but everything has been so chaotic um, because not only is there work related things and, you know, we have an article coming up talking about extended wave season, but also just all the prep stuff, getting ready, all the holiday things. And um, I don't know if you do anything in Mexico regarding Thanksgiving, but I know here, you know, there's Friendsgiving galore where you just like hang out with your friends and eat food before you Mm -hmm. do all the family stuff. Well, Thanksgiving isn't a holiday here, so it's just Friendsgiving, but my parents are in town. I'm very excited. Tracy was just making candied pecans for the salad, and that smelled like my stomach is growling. It smelled so good. (laughs) Um, My parents are here. We have some of our local friends, and my new assistant is coming, and our Spanish teacher and her boyfriend are coming, and they've ne- none of them have ever had like a turkey dinner oh, or a Thanksgiving that's dinner. Awesome. So that's going to be super fun. Did your parents bring the canned cranberry sauce? No, they should have because we that's all literally say. literally the only cranberry sauce I will eat. Absolutely. <laughs> if it does not have the lines from the can. <laughs> the lines are there as a guide of where to slice it. Yeah. I want it to be dumped out, still have the shape of the can. You put it on its side, and then you just slice in the lines. Exactly. The perfect cranberry sauce. Um, I remember when I was doing a semester in England, obviously they don't have Thanksgiving there, but all the students from the U.S., we got together and we made our own Thanksgiving because we were all homesick and we just wanted to get together Mm -hmm. and have a really nice Thanksgiving get together. We invited a couple of other international students that weren't um, from the U.S., but they still were, you know, part of our friend group. And I remember as we were planning um, what to have people bring, I was in the kitchen of uh, the flat I was staying in and one British student was in there and he was like, I don't understand pumpkin pie. And to them, they eat pumpkin as a side dish. It's squash for them. So to them, it's the same thing as having zucchini or something. And he's like, I don't understand pumpkin pie. It's like you're making a sweet dessert out of a vegetable. I mean, would you have like a corn pie? And I'm like, funny you should ask that because there's this thing called corn casserole and it's sweet and it's really good. And I would totally eat it for dessert. (laughs) Yep. Uh, We... The Costco here has those big pumpkin pies, so we need Ooh. to actually today so that just to make sure we have one. And then my mom's going to make fresh whipped cream so that, you know, feels a little little fancier, a little more homemade, but Yay. Costco pumpkin pie is good. So, so um, yeah, I think we're going to be talking about the same thing right now, but on Sunday, I had uh, an invitation to a Friendsgiving, and they do it annually, and on the event page there was some kind of beef between two people because they were both bringing mac and cheese and they both said they had the best mac and cheese. Now I will be down to test different mac and cheeses. I am not like a mac and sore. However, I do know a good mac and cheese. So get to Friendsgiving. The two people show up. 
They open up their little Tupperware things and immediately I am a hundred percent disappointed. <laughs> Neither. Nope. Neither of them looked appetizing at all. Um, one of the attendees, she was so adamant about her mac and cheese being the best. And let me just describe what she looked like to you. She looks like a grade eight athlete. Like she played mm-hmm. sports all through school and she looks like she does CrossFit on the regular. She has like the muscles of a CrossFitter. She's like built like a CrossFitter. So that should have been a red flag. Yeah. If you don't look like you eat mac and cheese on the regular, I don't trust your mac and cheese. And it certainly isn't the best. <laughs> it is not the best. So are you on team creamy mac and cheese or more of the baked casserole mac and cheese? I do like a creamy mac and cheese. However, I don't necessarily say no to more of the casserole mac and cheese if there is flavor. It's just every time when I've had casserole style mac and cheese, it might just be the people in my network. I mean, they were not friends. They were just acquaintances. So um, it's just people I encounter, their casserole style mac and cheese just has not tasted like anything. It just tastes like dry noodles with breadcrumbs, which made it even drier. I like both, depending on the situation. For Thanksgiving, I like the baked casserole, but like Mm -hmm. Panera mac and cheese is, (laughs) I love it. Um, I make and will be making for Thanksgiving Paula Deen's The Ladies Cheesy Mac. She also has Mm. one that's like ultimate mac and cheese or something, but this one is simple. A lot of cheese. You got a little bit of egg in there. It's like a nice, flavorful, lots of butter, obviously. Stick of butter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and then, but then you get a little bit of like crust on top with the cheese and the butter and that, like, I like the crispy edges. Yes. Um, so that's the Thanksgiving kind. And also Tracy doesn't really go for the creamy t- kind, but I like both. I'm pretty happy. I do put breadcrumbs on one of my mac and cheese recipes, but it is like an Italian style one with spinach mm. and tomatoes and mushrooms. And I also dot those breadcrumbs with lots of butter. So it's a nice, <laughs> it's a nicer crust, very flavorful. Uh, but I can't choose. I love creamy and casserole. Yeah. But I agree with you. If it's not flavorful and it's just dry mm-hmm. noodles and breadcrumbs, that's not for me. Listen, I want if 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 you look like you eat a diet of chicken breast and broccoli, and like your cheat meal is maybe some noodles, like yeah. no, don't say you have the best mac no. and cheese. Absolutely not. <laughs> Well, before we jump into our discussion this week, we want to give a shout out to our podcast network, Trav Market Media. Head on over to travmarketmedia.com where you can find other amazing podcasts to grow and build your business. So we had talked about in our very long intro about mac and cheese, um, how (laughs) wave season is now more extended than before. And I know we've touched on wave season starting in maybe like November, December versus boom, January to maybe March or April. And this article on Travel Weekly talks about how signs point to an early wave season based on some cruise line execs as well as some travel advisors. What are you seeing, Kareem? Based on yesterday alone, <laughs> I I was 
busier than a one-armed gift wrapper. <laughs> I <laughs> got so many requests. I sent out a little Black Friday email, just a little simple something, and bam, it was like, quote, 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 quote for cruises. Now, I have noticed wave season sort of flatten out for me and just stay strong and busy most of the year round with a, just a few lulls. Uh, I haven't seen that. Like years ago, it would be January 2nd. Things just went crazy and never stopped until April. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see that starting now. <laughs> People are really ready to go ahead and get things booked for next year. I did not expect to be very busy this week, but that is just not the case. So I think we can expect, like, whereas normally December, we might be able to take a little time, prepare ourselves for January. If you are a cruise seller, hold on to your britches. Oh, yeah, for sure. I have, um, you know, an associate advisor who does my cruising. And she messaged me yesterday and she said, I have been quoting and booking nonstop. And I went to check our accounting um, with our um, hosts in their little submit a sale system. And I think within the past week, she's had about $30,000 worth of bookings, like just mm-hmm. within the past like week itself. And she's continuing continuing to quote and she was on a cruise. So I know she was not actively submitting everything. So I'm like, that is such like such a good thing to hear that people are just ready to do, ready to do it. And then one of the good things is like, even if you just have one set of clients book before the holidays, they'll be talking about it with their friends and family, Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas, you know, all this stuff and potentially they'll have people join them and say like, Oh, like that sounds really fun. Yep. Why don't, why don't you guys come? Exactly. And not only have I gotten a lot of bookings, I've gotten a lot of, it's already final payment bookings. So there's people booking and paying in full Mm because they're planning pretty close in. I'm getting some further out, but not too crazy. Most of them are sooner rather than later. Oh, definitely. And I'm like, Ooh, that is very close, but we're just going to have to um, work with that. Um, So this article, it talks to advisors and execs alike. Um, Deanna Archer is one of the advisors they spoke to. And she said, usually around this time, she is updating marketing plans and budgets. But this year, she has no time for that because she just continues to book. Um, The execs, like Vicki Freed is quoted in here. Um, She said that Royal is seeing wave-like volume now. And it's too early to get a read on January and February, but this is a good indicator that the momentum will continue into next year with record booking levels. Absolutely. And they mentioned that wave season is critical for cruise lines. They need to bank a robust wave season, especially after three years of struggle Mm -hmm. from the pandemic. Um, It says among the three major public cruise companies, only Royal Caribbean group has reported a profitable quarter since the pandemic began. And that was in its recent Q3, although they expect to report a loss again in Q4. So it's rocky. They need they need this wave season. So the president of cruise.com, he is quoted as saying, you have to come out of Q1 in a strong position. If you've come out of Q1 and you're behind, it is really, really hard to make it the rest of the year without heavily discounting. And the yeah. right here that travel advisors believe 
and hope that this year's wave will be different from the last. At the beginning of 2022, the CDC required cruise ships to maintain high vaccination levels and testing requirements to sail. At the time, only a fraction of ships were sailing and many destinations were still closed or required vaccination and mandatory testing to visit. Yep. It's completely Um, different now. (laughs) Yeah. One of the reasons he says he is optimistic about this wave season is the aggressive promotional activity from the cruise lines before Thanksgiving. And that includes kicking off Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales in mid-November instead of waiting until after the holiday. I was shocked. I got uh, an email from a client that she saw that her river cruise price had dropped. And I've never in 15 years had a price drop on a river cruise. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it turned out to be the same. There was just this promote. It was a little bit confusing, Um, but it was still like, oh my, I said, I don't even know if they have a policy for this because I have never seen it happen. So um, these promotions are definitely aggressive. It says here that while there are concerns that inflation could be a drag on the travel industry, um, it doesn't seem like that's really a concern. And we've talked about this from other articles that people are not holding back in spite of the higher pricing in general for daily life. You know, like people are still planning vacations and good vacations at that. He did say that the one thing that will stop people from traveling is being out of a job. So he's adding that contemporary cruise lines are well positioned as a value proposition for consumers wary about vacation spending. So, you know, the value that you get, it just feels a little more comfortable when you're worried about the economy and possibly being out of a job. That's the last hurrah. Last Mm -hmm. vacation. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Our next article is also from Travel Weekly. It says hotels are making up ground on short-term rentals. While short-term rentals... Sorry, are you part of any of the Facebook travel groups? Like the um, women who travel and the girls love travel groups on Facebook? I'm part of several, but I've been avoiding Facebook, so I'm not caught up on all the cheese may. So the number of posts from travelers on those groups regarding... Airbnb scams and pricing. Like I, Mm -hmm. it's like reading um, like a tabloid magazine or something for me. Like I'm just reading it being like, oh my God, this is so good for the hotel industry. And a lot of comments from people who are not travel advisors, they'll say, this is why I've gone back to booking hotels. You have all these amenities. You don't have to worry about security. And then people who are also saying, I don't know why people are still booking Airbnbs because of the high prices that they charge, the amount of fees, the lack of security, the lack of dependability, and there's no quality control. So a lot of it is leaning uh, towards people going back to hotels unless Airbnb makes some kind of change to their business model. Yeah, I have not seen that in the Facebook groups, but I have been down a few TikTok rabbit holes One of which was like so many posts about people being told to evacuate their Airbnb immediately with no reason why. And later on coming to find out that 
people had been trafficked in that property or there were cameras, major safety issues where Airbnb contacted people and said, you need to get out. Don't tell the host you're leaving. You need to get out now. Oh my God. That is very scary. Um, But this article, they say that a lot of the major hotel brands, like they they, um, give Marriott as an example, they are launching um, rental style Mm -hmm. accommodations with full hotel amenities, for example, like housekeeping, um, a common area with a lobby, but the actual room that they're staying in has like a kitchen or the parts of a rental that guests prefer. Yeah. I've always, you know, I, I have, I take personal issue. I, I won't, use myself or book Airbnb in certain cities like Barcelona, Paris, places where the locals have been priced out. They cannot live in their own hometown. You know, there's a lot of information to be found about how it's negatively impacted those places. But, and so when I tell clients, like I'm, I'm not comfortable with it because of these reasons, but there are plenty of apartment style hotels, especially in Europe. If it's that you want a kitchen and a little bit more space, that is not a problem. Like, let me book you someplace reputable where I have contacts to help in case of a problem, you know. Sure. But I don't think people realize how many apartment-style hotels there were in the first place. And then now there's even more because of the demand for it. These hotel brands are making it happen. This article... Um, in, re- in reference to what they call apartments by Marriott Bonvoy, the accommodations will include a separate living room and bedroom, a full kitchen, and an in-unit washer and dryer. Mm-hmm. Perfect for the carry-on only crowd. Absolutely. And then there's Catbird, an independent lifestyle extended stay hotel concept that debuted last year in Denver. And it's from real estate developer Sage Hospitality Group. It represents a new breed of up and coming hospitality players seeking to blend facets of short term rentals into the hotel experience. And there's a picture in here. It's super cute. Looks really cleverly designed. If you visit the link in our show notes. So they describe this one particular property as having 165 rooms with plenty of traditional hotel elements, such as a lively lobby with a food and beverage venue, a rooftop bar, a 24-hour fitness room, and housekeeping services. At the same time, each of Catbird's rooms has a kitchen complete with cookware and quote-unquote spice pods, half teaspoon spice portions. When I first read this, I thought it said half eaten spice portions. And I'm like, I don't think that's right. No, it's half teaspoon spice portions. (laughs) (laughs) Guests also have access to what's dubbed the Catbird Playroom, essentially a gear locker with household items like an air fryer, panini press, board games, hiking gear, and fishing rods that guests can borrow free of charge. You had me at air fryer. Best darn food reheater ever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the quickest food cooker. Um, <laughs> yes, I do enjoy an air fryer for sure. Um, it says here, uh, Kat Burr's general manager is quoted as saying, what a lot of guests told us is that they wanted an extended stay style hotel, but there wasn't anything out there that was upscale enough and fit what they were looking for until we came along, which is something that we've talked about before. Like we do like the rental style, but I want housekeeping. I want the 
opportunity or at least the option to have clean, fresh towels, someone to make a bed. Um, So this is a great hybrid for people who are looking for like a mixture of those experiences. Yeah. The principle of develop or hospitality principle of development said the catbird concept catbird concept is ripe for replication. So we do plan to grow this brand. We'll start small with two or three, but I could easily see 50 or more in the United States. So I guess that's something we can keep an eye out on. Then there's another company called Rental Resorts and Rental is R-E-N-T-Y-L. That is a hospitality management company and distribution platform focused on showcasing resorts with residential style units like villas, townhomes, and cottages. They are working to promote accommodations that offer what CEO Nick Falcone describes as the best of both worlds which is, I think, what most people are looking for these days. But they have 400 resort partners with residential units like Florida's Encore Resort, a reunion, and Margaritaville Resort, Orlando, the Grand Isle Resort and Residence in the Bahamas, and Portuguese chain Martinal Family Hotels and Resorts. The market is definitely trending toward home product, uh, says Falcone, but I think that more people are now looking for those scenarios where you have a home or that more spacious accommodation within a resort setting, especially with family, I think with children. Sorry, Abby's walking around. I know. Abby wants something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that for families, it really comes down to space and being able to have kitchen. A lot of times they want to be able to have snacks and be able to cook at home and save a little money there and just have a little separation, you know, one room with two queen beds isn't the most comfortable for four people. And I think but, a lot of um, a lot of what people have been complaining about too with Airbnb is that the pricing is just so high. In a lot of destinations, it's pricing higher than actual hotels. And in the beginning, people were choosing Airbnbs because it was a lower price point. You have a more local feel, but if you're booking an Airbnb now, it's easy to to encounter like a three or four hundred dollar cleaning fee. Yep, for no cleaning at all. Like people have said, like they they make you wash all the dishes and yep. strip the beds and all these things, and they're like, why are we paying four hundred dollars for a cleaning fee if we have to do all these things? Yeah, I don't know if they think you forget about the cleaning fee. And then when you get there, there's this long bullet pointed list of things you need to do before you leave. But the article says Airbnb isn't resting on its laurels. They said its recent Q3 was its most profitable quarter ever. And they're making an aggressive effort to further grow the short term rental supply, unveiling new efforts designed to encourage more owners to list their properties on Airbnb. One of of the strategies is the launch of their Airbnb setup program and their new tool enabling newbie hosts to match with experienced super hosts to get one-on-one support. Smart. They are also looking to ease concerns for first-time hosts with a significant expansion of Airbnb's air cover damage protection program. They say current hosts are making record earnings and the more supply they have, the more guests they have. It's a network effect business. The more supply you get, the more demand you get, the more demand you get, the more supply you get. So, but he does say 
um, I'm sorry, this switches to Sage Hospitality's Balabin believes that short-term rentals are up against stiffer competition than in the past. He said, we may see the pendulum start to swing slightly. There are points of friction with short-term rentals like cleaning fees, the fact you may still have to do some cleaning work yourself. And if something goes wrong, you have to wait for the owner or property manager to come your way. As hoteliers, we're held to a higher standard, so we're fighting back. Yeah, I have a friend who she travels for concerts all the time and she would book Airbnbs just for the weekend. And there was one time where she texted me and she said, Airbnbs are dead to me. And I'm just like, tell me more. Mm -hmm. And there was a big security issue for her. She showed up to the Airbnb and there the key to the house was in the lock. And mm -hmm. so she messaged the host and was like, hey, the key is in the lock. Is it supposed to be like this? Or, you know, what happened? And he's like, oh, yeah, I left it there earlier today so that, you know, it would be there when you got in. And she said, I do not feel comfortable with this setup at all. And she just wanted a refund and she wanted to cancel her reservation because that was not part of the agreement. And she really mm -hmm. felt unsafe in that situation because anyone could have gone into the house or made a copy of the key or whatever it is. Yeah. And she reached out to Airbnb. She did a chargeback on her card. It was just a huge mess. And in the end, she didn't get her money back because the host was like, Hey, I did message you back. I did communicate with you. And she's like, I'm never booking Airbnb again. And I'm like, I could have told you that how many times are we together? And I tell you how much I dislike Airbnb. Well, I think the, thing is, is once you get burned, usually mm -hmm. that's it, right? You're not going to mm -hmm. do it again. And the more you do it, the more you're eventually going to get burned in some way. You know, I've yes. had plenty of issues that were enough to make me irritated, not enough to make me furious. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, and I don't use them very often, but here in Mexico, there's a lot of decent options, especially in Mexico city. So that's typically where I'm going to use them. But I think one bad experience and that's it. I don't think if you have one bad experience at a hotel, you're not going to go back to that hotel. You're not going to recommend that hotel. That doesn't mean you're never going to stay in another hotel. Right. It's a little more broad with Airbnb. Our last article is from Travel Pulse and it looks at a travel industry study um, done to look at trends in the travel agency and advisor space. So looking at ages of travel advisors, looking at how many years agencies have been open, and they use um, data from research that Focusrite has done. And I do love a good Focusrite study. Mm -hmm. Give me those stats, baby. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the 2022 Travel Industry Survey. And in this article, they have a link to the actual survey. And it reveals the latest trends among travel agencies and travel advisors across the U.S. And the research project was conducted through an online questionnaire sent out to Travel Weekly and Travel Age West subscribers, in addition to members of various consortia and host agencies. There were about there were 1,356, 1,356 participating travel advisors um, who are either currently employed by a travel agency or are independent contractors for an agency or our travel agency owners or managers. And they responded between July 22nd and August 15th of this year. 
Um, they say the age breakdown was similar to last year. Four out of five advisors are over the age of 45. 0% are under the age of 25. Mm. Um, what's more, the study found that 23% of agencies are five years old or less, which is more than double the 10% in the pre-pandemic year of 2019. So we have a lot of new agencies. I will say with my travel travel joy setups, I have been really surprised by how many brand new advisors I'm getting that either started their business right at the beginning of the pandemic or just this year. So either way, brand new, because if you started right at the beginning of the pandemic, you didn't really get to do a whole lot. Um, But I, I thought for sure I'd be dealing with a lot more experienced advisors and I just didn't realize how many new agencies are opening up. Um, Arnie Weissman is quoted with saying the reassuring bottom line is that although young people still may not see becoming an advisor as an attractive first career, the profession does attract those with a bit of maturity and experience elsewhere, which upon reflection is not such a bad thing for the profession or for clients. Absolutely. It's a lot of people who had thriving careers and decided to make a change and have experience. You know, I've met many attorneys you know, people in really high level jobs who are really well educated, who just wanted something different for their lives. Mm -hmm. It also shows that almost half of respondents have worked in travel for 10 years or less, up significantly from 21% in 2019. Meanwhile, 23, that repeats, 23% of traditional agencies were founded in the past five years, up from 10% in 2019. Sorry, I'm repeating that. And experience matters when it comes to income, with 69% of respondents working two years or less reporting making less than $25,000 annually. Compare that to only 26% of advisors who've been in business more than 30 years. Who's been doing this 30 years and makes less than $25,000? Got to be hobbyists. Mm-hmm. Um, it says time devoted is another key factor, with fewer than half of those working full-time and relying on their business as a primary source of income indicating that they make fewer than 50000 annually. It also uncovers a fascinating trend in travel advisors viewing themselves as independent, even when working with a host agency or consortia. One third of respondents identified themselves as hosted independent contractors or ICs, which is down 20 percentage points from 2021. On the other hand, 28% identified as fully independent advisors compared with 17% just last year. Of the 28%, two-thirds reported being affiliated with a host agency and four and five reported being members of a consortium. Heck yeah. Most continue to work with a host agency to access preferred suppliers, 79%, and the leading benefits cited are overrides and incentives, 68%, advisor-dedicated supplier websites, 53%, and education programs, 49%. I... <laughs> We've been doing this a long time. My agency does a really high volume. I am always surprised to see people think that once you get to a certain volume that you should not be hosted. And I I know there are some benefits in terms of overrides and stuff, but when I think about the amount of support and accounting tools and all, you know, all of the stuff that I get for what I pay to be with the host agency, I can't imagine. I I cannot give up that support. It would cost so much more to hire people to give me the support that I get from the host agency. 
so someday someone might be able to explain that to me where I get it, but I don't get it. Maybe it's just that our host agency is packed with value, but I don't, <laughs> I don't understand why thinking you, once you reach, you know, a certain number that now you don't need a host agency anymore. I need it more now. I need more mm -hmm. support now because of the volume. Sure. And there's less for you to have to worry about in terms of back of house things. And mm -hmm. I think that is one of the biggest things for me is there's already so many things for us to think about in running a business. I don't want to think about even more. So yep. anyway, um, this article says the home-based segment of travel advisors is currently enjoying record sales. The study found with gross bookings reaching $920 million in 2021 wow. up from $346 million in pandemic played 2020 and up from the previous high of $899 million in 2018. Yeah, baby. When it comes to the question of why clients are booking customer service is 33%. Personal relationships is 31% and expertise is 30%. Those are the leading reasons. Only 3% indicated that their clients book because they offer the best price. We are mm -hmm. doing something right. Yep. They say that Facebook continues to be the most important social platform for today's travel advisors, but TikTok is coming on strong with usage more than doubling from 2021 to 2022. In general, social media is still a go-to for sales and marketing, with 68% of respondents ranking it in their number one platform over email, website marketing events, and e-newsletters. I guess like Instagram is somewhere in between because that is my platform of choice. That's where I see most advisors really <laughs> thriving. Yes. I think that's where our clients are. I will mm -hmm. say um, Bonnie's clients are mostly on Facebook. So I'm like, yep. don't worry about Insta. But most of my clients are on Instagram. Um, and then they will be on TikTok, but not necessarily interact with anything on TikTok. Yep. I'm a lurker. <laughs> <laughs> it says in terms of specialization, most travel advisors are mastering ocean cruises at 60%, destinations 56%, and tours and packages 56%. However, river cruises 47% and luxury travel 45% aren't far behind. It says additional study findings include travel advisor... Um, being the preferred subscriber to travel agent. So 38% prefer travel advisor versus 19% preferring travel agent or travel consultant at 18%. More than seven in 10 advisors being optimistic about the future of the trade with a positive outlook on the industry and another 71% ranking family travel as their top category. Good stuff. I love numbers. Like mm -hmm. this, I want to see <laughs> where things are going. I want to be like prepared. Yeah. All in all, focus, right? Research studies are my fave. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, are we ready for some quick headlines? Oh, yeah. All right. It's time for excess baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory. So you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Pulse, travel agency air ticket sales continue to rise. ARC on Thursday reported a year-over-year -year increase of 113% of ancillary airline sales for the month of October. They also report that Carnival Corporation has just reinstated mask mandates aboard all of its ships sailing in and around Australia due to a fourth Omicron wave that will likely peak over the next few weeks. Travel Agent Central reports that Bermuda has announced the elimination of travel authorization process, 
some three weeks earlier than originally scheduled. The move will streamline the overall travel experience for visitors. Another one from them says that Western River Expeditions has announced that bookings will be open for its 2024 Grand Canyon rafting vacations on November 29th, 2022 at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. This is the annual opportunity to secure reservations for what many rafting enthusiasts consider the world's top river rafting experience. Guests can explore the full schedule of the 2024 Grand Canyon raft trip departures and have a few dates ready for the evening kickoff on November 29th. An article from Insider Travel Report says that Princess Cruises Cyber Monday deal features $1 deposits for one day only. The $1 deposit can be combined with the Black Friday sale running through November 30th, offering 60 sailings under $60 per day per guest and hundreds more sailings under $100 per day per guest, taking travelers to Alaska, the California coast, the Caribbean, (laughs) Panama Canal, and Europe. According to Travel Market Report, Perillo Tours, which specializes in escorted travel to Italy, is expanding its 2023 portfolio with a new 11-day tour program to Greece. They also report that in a surprise move on Sunday night, Disney announced that it had reappointed Bob Iger as its chief executive officer, replacing Bob Chapek effective immediately. Travel Weekly reports that IHG Hotels and Resorts has inked a partnership with Spain-based Iberostar Hotels and Resorts with a new IHG resort and all-inclusive brand, Iberostar Beachfront Resorts, launching as part of the agreement. And our high note today is also from Travel Weekly. Brownell Travel hit $200 million in sales for the 2022 fiscal year, a record for the travel agency that builds itself as the oldest in North America. It's great news for all of us. And that's it for Excess Baggage. Just a reminder that all the articles we've referenced today can be found in the show notes. Please remember that we didn't write the news. We're just sharing it. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and or share the show. Also head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both under the Tin Lounge. We'll link them in the show notes. And I think it's safe to say that something that we are absolutely thankful for are our listeners Thank you I so thought you were going to say mac and cheese, but I and, agree. And, and mac and cheese. But thank you so much for allowing us in your ears and like, letting us talk to you. <laughs> if you have any questions, comments, or just want to say hello, please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at thetinlounge.com. We'll see you all next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye. Like we do it, like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.